My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today I am joined by Yoram Hazoni. Uh, he is an Israeli philosopher. Uh, he is a Bible scholar and political theorist. Uh, he's also the president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem, and he serves as the chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation. He is also the author of uh, a, a well-known book, uh, relatively in the past now, The Virtue of Nationalism, and a very new book called Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Welcome, Yoram. It's great to see you, Alex. Yeah, it's, it's lovely Fair to having. have you on. Um, and uh, I also want to thank you for uh, inviting me to NatCon. That was a, a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful event. I mean, I, I was surprised to be uh, invited, but it was uh, it was just great to to meet you and uh, and to meet your family as well, because you travel with your family. It's something that's kind of uh, unique, <laughs> at least in, in, in our generation. Uh, well, you know, uh, you you gave a spectacular speech. It was. Uh, immensely well received i mean the the uh, the, the people who um would, would give me their opinions about such things thought you were spectacular and uh i you shouldn't be surprised i don't know if you if you can travel to miami with you with uh, with your growing family but uh if it's possible then we, we'd, we'd love to have you there too well thank you so much i mean We'll see. <laughs> you know, my uh, right. my growing family is, is turning into quite the handful uh, at this point. He's about 10 months old and he is just extremely agile, extremely sneaky and agile and, and everywhere. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we can wrangle him. Um, but uh, I'm, I also obviously want to want to talk about the, the new book um, and it's called Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Um, and, and conservatism means many things to many people. Um, conservatism has meant pretty much either of kind of fusionism or neoconservatism or it's kind of the, the the strains of um of of in a way right liberalism that have marked the, the the conservative movement in the last you know pretty much 50 years um in the US and abroad um so i mean i'm i'm curious what what are the parameters of the worldview that you're proposing here um you know does it have anything in common with these uh you know, established ideas, or is it something completely revolutionary? Uh, of how how far back do you go to to uh, you know harness these ideas? So, what um, what are the the main concepts here? The things that you're naming uh, neo uh, neoconservatives, uh, fusionists, libertarians. I don't know what else you 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 just named. Um, these are oh, right liberals. You said well, th these are all versions of liberalism. And uh, one one of the things that uh, that I work hard to do in the book is to distinguish conservatism from from liberalism because I you, you're you're right in hinting that it's all become uh, very confused, uh, especially in the last generation. But you know, for even a few decades before then, um, the, the the traditional distinction between liberal and conservative. Uh, Be begins with 
liberalism being a uh, a political philosophy or a political uh, movement that focuses on freedom. It's focused overwhelmingly on the freedom of the individual. And certainly the versions of liberalism uh, that we've been dealing with in the last generation are uh, are quite extreme in their uh, in strident insistence that if you uh, give ever-expanding uh, liberties to individuals, then you'll solve most of society's problems. And uh, conservatism is a is a, a very different creature. Uh, as I uh, in in my book, I I, I begin by setting out a, a, a history of uh, Anglo American conservatism going going back at least to the 1400s, and uh, conservatism is is a uh, it's a a competing political worldview that sees national and religious tradition as the key to strengthening and maintaining a nation through time. So even just from those you know, few introductory words of, of, of definition, you can already see that uh, whereas liberals begin with the free and equal individual, you know, some kind of imaginary state of nature in which human beings are perfectly equal and perfectly free and don't take on any obligations or responsibilities except the ones they consent to. Uh, conservatives have, have never really bought any of that. Uh, so the, 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 the conservative tradition here, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing specifically on, on, on the British and American one, but, you know, there, there are other conservative traditions as well. But what they all have in common is that uh, that they they begin with uh, individuals being born into families and families being born into uh, tribes and uh, tribes being born into nations. And uh, all of these nations compete with one another, just like the tribes compete with one another, families compete with one another. Uh, even within the family, human beings have a tendency to compete up until uh, they are challenged from the outside and then they uh, they come together and uh, tend to come together and, and create a united front. So uh, a conservative is somebody, I think, who has a begins with a much more realistic uh, view of uh, of what human beings are, and from there pretty quickly gets to a much more realistic view of what human beings need. Mm. Yeah, so it's essentially a, a competing value hierarchy where it's not autonomy and individualism at the top, but um, essentially kind of the, the relational dimension is above that. So I, I wonder what, um, you know, because essentially at this point in, in kind of our political history, politics is almost synonymous with democracy. I mean, what, what position does democracy hold here? Because democracy essentially uh, is uh, downstream from this perspective of, okay, we have the individual consent Autonomy is the, the the primacy, so they become the the vehicle of um, of kind of um, political voice. Um, I, I wonder how that plays into 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 your worldview. Well, to, to to begin with, conservatives don't you know conservatives are not are not necessarily Democrats. Um, the the uh, the the tradition that I'm writing about in this book uh, is uh, is is one that. Uh, developed out of uh, out of monarchy, right? Out of out of British monarchy, and uh, the 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 English monarchy was 
for a very, very long time, uh, somewhat different from, uh, from, you know, from French or, or, or German monarchs uh, in, in, in that uh, the English, tr the traditional English constitution uh, had a place for, uh, for, for people other than the king in, in decision-making. So if we take um, In Praise of the Laws of England by John Fortescue, which was written around 1470, uh, we, we see that his, his argument is that the people of England are, are better off because, uh, because the, uh, the, the, the parliament, the, the bicameral legislature, is responsible for laws and is responsible for uh, for taxation, and the king can't simply do whatever he wants. And uh, out of this structure of uh, of a tradition of uh, of uh, power sharing between between the king and his subjects, uh, you, you you get the gradual development of uh, of the American Constitution, which in its uh, in its early version was very, very similar to the English constitution. And uh, none of the people, none of the people involved in, in drafting any of these co constitutions called them democracy at that time. Uh, but still, uh, Fortescue claims that his, that uh, among the advantages of the English constitution is that the people are freer than they are in other countries. When you know when he says free, he's obviously not talking about you know what modern liberals mean when they say free. But uh, but he gives examples. He says for you know for example, um, the king cannot uh, enter the house of an English uh, an English farmer without his permission, and he certainly can't take things. From the English farmer without his permission, or at least without a law from 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 the legislature. Uh, so and and, uh, uh, and and Fortescue associates these kinds of rights with uh, with freedom. He says says that that uh, that the 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 reason that the English people uh, flourish um, financially and the reason that they eat better than in other countries is. Uh, is because of the sanctity of property and because of a constitution that protects their property. So all of these things exist already in um, in the 1400s in England, uh, but I don't think anybody would have called it a democracy. So I, I I think I think that that if you ask you know how does how does a conservative uh, how does a conservative in this tradition view democracy? I think that that uh, uh, the, 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 the question is always, uh, does it improve things or does it make things worse? And, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the democratization of, uh, of the American Republic, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think that the American Republic was doing badly, uh, before the, before the two world wars. And, you know, if we're going to talk about, uh, where things go wrong, I'm not sure that things go wrong because of the fact that there's a uh, uh, extended suffrage in the United States, but we can, you know, we can talk about that. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the, the the issue that I see with um, with democracy is that it it brings in, essentially, you could also say that it it becomes ruled by media because you know 
where, where does the the informed citizen get their their information to be to be so informed to actually make a, a yeah a decision on a political level? Um, and then you know the, that there's competing interests there, and it also brings in um, it it turns politics into the matter of everyday life. Like there is a certain freedom from politics that you have in, in alternative systems that I think is, is quite underrated um, in the sense that uh, now it's, it's become, it's become an, a complete obsession and it's, it's become synonymous to religion. Like the, the moment that religion, you know, left through the door, politics entered through the window. And now this is, this is essentially the, the animating spirit for so much tribalism for, for all of this. So, um, I mean, I think that's, uh, people might might argue with me that you know it's a it's a price worth paying, but it, it might also not be. Well, I look, I, I I understand what you're saying. I I I think it's very easy and appro- appropriate to look at what there is now and say, you know, what there is now is really terrible. Uh, the reason I say this is because what there is now really is terrible because. I mean, we 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 are watching the uh, the disintegration of um, of American society and the American nation, and we're watching a very similar thing happen happen in the UK. And it's it's not at all clear that you know that that having um, moved to all freedom all the time as the only the the only value that's em- emphasized in these societies. It's not at all clear that they can that they can survive. I mean, I I just don't know that many people who have a great deal of confidence that the United States is going to exist 25 years from now. And now I'm I'm a little bit older than than you are, and uh, probably than many of the listeners. So I can uh, I, I can remember a time in in which it it didn't seem like the United mm-hmm. States was on 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 the verge of disintegrating. And so, you know, my my uh, my view of citizens voting and, and and media striving to influence them is somewhat different because um, because when I was growing up in you know in, in New Jersey, I was born in Israel, but I grew up in the United States. And when I was growing up, um, you know, c- certainly uh, you knew that the major publications had a had a liberal slant. Um, but you could basically count on their news to be uh, reliable. In other words, you 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 could in those days be someone who rejected the New York Times editorial line, um, but you could still um, trust that most of what it was that they w- were reporting was was uh, usefully accurate. And in the same way, the the um, it, it 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 was impossible for the uh, for the media, even if most of the media were liberal, it was impossible for them to uh, to just control the way that people think because because the because there were competing media. Uh, the, the the current condition in which virtually all major media broadcast the the same thoughts in lockstep with one another and in lockstep with a particular political line and don't have any shame about um, using their platforms as a uh, 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 in order to advance a political uh, agenda. This is a new thing. I mean, I'm, I, I, I certainly don't want to claim that uh, you know that uh, 
democracy always fu- functioned perfectly well. But but what we're seeing right now is a uh, is a a catastrophic shift from um, a uh, a culture in which um, reporters thought that you know whatever whatever party they voted for, they thought that you know something like Hunter Biden's laptop would be. Uh, a story that any one of them would want to break and want to be in the lead in because corruption was simply uh, something that you know any, anybody could get a get a, a Pulitzer for reporting on corruption. It didn't matter whether it was the right or the left. So again, without without saying that it was utopian, I think that we have entered a a period of uh, utter dysfunction in. Uh, the way that the media functions, and uh, also other institutions. I mean, you can add uh, the, the, uh, the the universities, which 30 years ago were able to tolerate uh, a conservative or, or a rightist view on the faculty or among the students. And today, increasingly in most places, universities simply cannot tolerate these kinds of views. And 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 we could go on, the government bureaucracy and, and so on. So we, we are certainly facing a a horrific crisis, and we need to talk about what, if anything, can be done to get out of it. But I think that uh, we should not exaggerate. I think it would be a mistake to exaggerate the um, the kind of influence that the kind of political system you have has on whether it works or not. Because the reality is that um, I think that many different kinds of political system can be made to work well. If the people are inheriting um, traditions of uh, mutual loyalty and uh, upholding the system and and striving to make it work, and the moment that the people are inheriting uh, disloyalty and contempt for one another and for the system itself, it it doesn't matter how beautiful and perfect it is on paper. It will still it, it will just stop working, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and it feels to me like in, in in liberalism itself, you know, the kind of the the baked in, um, essentially the the self uh, correcting feature of liberalism tends to become a god in itself. Like the idea that okay, you know, we we are striving essentially that's kind of the instinct of liberalism. We are always striving to morally improve, to end up on the right side of history, uh, and and that idea in itself uh, kind of leads to that that. And churning kind of resentment of the present moment uh, because we are of course still in the process of moral evolution we kind of have to be a little bit at least um resentful of of our brethren of the per- the, the current situation because we remember in the past we were obviously the past is a very uh a moral place or you know uh, immoral place uh the the present we're current constantly improving and only in the future will actual morality be possible and even then you know, where you're still kind of in the churning permanent revolution. So I feel if um, with with kind of this current perspective, is is, is it even possible to, um, I don't know, love your brethren? You know, have have any sort of ties to to any sort of historical um, or any make making any sort of peace with your own history? Well, we we just uh, we just switch topics from democracy to liberalism, and the, yeah. the democracy and liberalism. Obviously, are not they're not the same thing. A democracy is 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 an extended suffrage where uh, many more people get to participate in uh, uh, in in uh, uh, electing at least certain parts, if not all parts of of the government. 
um, liberalism is not, you know, is not a system of government. Liberalism is a uh, is a set of ideas, um, and uh, it 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 comes very close in its current form to being a kind of religion, uh, because uh, the 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 assertion that everybody is um, uh, that everyone is perfectly free and perfectly equal, uh, and that they only need to take on obligations that they uh, that they consent to, and you were just referring to a to a, a third plank in 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 a lot of liberalism, which is uh, the 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 claim that all human beings all that human beings need to do is think and argue, and then we'll figure all the answers to everything out just by thinking, um, and we we don't need any kind of inheritance or tradition to build on. This this set of axioms is it it is a kind of a religion. And uh, what it does is it 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 undercuts um, and 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 blots out uh, any kind of good that's inherited from the past. And you know a very very dramatic example of this is uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, the uh, one of the American founders who um, who uh, was quite excessive in his liberalism, and it was in many ways a you know a model for what we're seeing today. And, and Jefferson said that that repeatedly that every generation is uh, related to the previous generation uh, as if it were a foreign country. He thought that you know that every twenty years you should just start from scratch and uh, and and make up all the all the laws that you think are good for you, and and then and then twenty years later you'll just do it again. So when, when you refer to this uh, permanent revolution. Um, you, you, you really are talking about something that is baked in. It, it is baked into liberalism, and the, the 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 reason that the United States and 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 Britain were able to to survive for two or three centuries uh, without decaying is not is is not because uh, there were liberals, but because there were conservatives. There were l- large numbers of people whose focus was on maintaining inherited traditions and that means that they thought a great deal they, they they thought a great deal about what you would need to do in order for um for your inherited traditions to be uh transmitted to future generations and all of that comes to sort of a crashing end after the second world war uh, we can argue about w- why it does but it's only after the second world war that uh, that uh, God and Scripture become uh, dispensable and and are uh, eliminated from from you know the, the school system and from public life, and it takes about it turns out we did the experiment. It takes about two generations, uh, two generations be- between the time that you eliminate God and Scripture and uh, the time that you can no longer tell the difference between a man and a woman. We've done the experiment, and um, I. I, I think I think that if we're we're talking about what it is that's the cause of the current troubles, I, I I think that it's primarily liberalism that's that is that is the cause. I think it's liberalism that created the cult of uh, that you were referring to the, the 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 cult of everybody figuring everything out for, for for themselves without anything owing anything to the past, without owing anything to previous generations, and uh, and and that's brought us to. You know, uh, woke neo-Marxist revolution very, very quickly. 
Yes, it, it, it does seem to, like a, a previous guest on the show uh, has a, a, an idea that uh, the essentially the right wing was outlawed after the, the Second World War and just, just wholesale and the, the center, the whole um, thought systems surrounding it, which include tradition and God, were also put, put to the side because they are part of this essentially memeplex of, of evil that needed to be scrapped and it kind of ushered in um, an, an era that is can essentially be called, you know, not even liberalism, but like complete anti-fascism. And we just kind of have to dispose of all anything that could be associated with that. And nowadays we can see that the word cloud of fascism includes all sorts of things from, I don't know, long dresses to any sort of, you know, more more classical cuisine, you know, and anything that's not necessarily completely in flux and, and subject to, to work powers is considered fascism. Do you think there's something to um, say something to that? Well, yeah, there's a, there's quite there's quite a bit to it. I mean, um, I I don't I don't think that conservatism was outlawed, but I but I I think that uh, I I have a chapter on 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 what ex- what exactly happened in the 1950s and 1960s in 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 my new book, and um, I I think that I think the best way to describe it is uh, that uh, the 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 two world wars um, created a trauma both in America and Europe, and that trauma led to the uh, the adoption of a a revolutionary program whose purpose was uh, to in in a single generation, in a single swoop, like with one blow, to eliminate all evils that were perceived to have come from from the past. So. You know, I, I, I personally, as I read in the in the book, I think that uh, that uh, Nazi Germany was sufficiently evil, and enough, you know, American and British lives were were lost. So I, 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 I certainly am sympathetic to Americans who came home and said, "We, we, you know, we don't want the ongoing persecution of blacks in in, in the American South in our country." I, I think that makes sense, but the the way that it was dealt with, looking back on it. Um, seems to have been quite mistaken. The way that was dealt with was to say, "Well, look, if we're we're not willing to uh, to uh, to persecute blacks because of the color of their skin, that means that we shouldn't make any distinctions between men and women, and we shouldn't make any distinctions between uh, Christians and uh, and Jews and atheists, and that means we shouldn't make distinctions between." Uh, between our own citizens and foreigners, or uh, f- foreigners coming from different places, and and this just goes on and on as you as you go forward the decades. Then then you're not allowed to make distinctions on the basis of age, and you're not allowed to make distinctions on the basis of uh, of, of uh, physical disability, and you're not allowed to make dis- distinctions according to sexual orientation. And God only knows what tomorrow is going to bring in this. Uh, lunatic attempt to eliminate categories of any kind from uh, the way that public life and private life are are pursued in uh, in the countries that are adopting this and that that's at this point basically you know all of the English-speaking countries and all of Europe as well pretty much so I I think that's it, it's correct to say that the uh, that the uh, well-intentioned attempts to solve some actual uh, oppression turned into a lunatic attempt to 
to you know a utopian attempt to eliminate any kinds of distinctions from society and uh and and that's that has brought us to where we are let me say something about 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 the word fascist because um liberals liberals are not marxists and that doesn't you know and all of us know some liberals who are um who are willing to uh, to to risk a great deal in order to to to, to fight the current Marxism. In, in my book, I argue that liberalism brings about Marxism. In other words, I don't I don't think the two things are disconnected. I think that you can uh, that you can see uh, and understand the mechanism by which uh, liberals who uh, say ignore ignore tradition, ignore your inheritance, um, but exercise only your reason. Well, you know, anybody who's educated in that way knows that as soon as everybody starts exercising their reason, then, you know, some of them will be liberals and some of them will be conservatives and some will be fascists and some will be neo-Marxist revolutionaries. And uh, it, 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 it doesn't do what the liberals think it's going to do. What it does is, it, it, is the, the, uh, the demand that everybody exercise their reason all the time d- does not bring uh, some kind of positive order, it leads very quickly to uh, to the victory of of these these uh, um, uh, Marxist ideals. But with respect to fascism, um, I, it, it, it it's also worth em- emphasizing that uh, that I've I, I, I've known more than a few people in my life uh, who, whose whose views were fundamentally authoritarian. By authoritarian, I mean that they're also not interested in inherited traditions. They're interested in finding somebody who can uh, establish any kind of, who has enough power to establish any kind of order. And of course, if you are in a society that is in advanced stages of dis- disintegration, and uh, and uh, that begins as moral disagre- disintegration, but then it very quickly moves to uh, to to to, uh, to actual violence and 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 uh, uh, in, in internal disorder of of the kind that makes it impossible to do anything um, to 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 do any of the basic things human beings normally want to do. Under those conditions, uh, historically, people tend to turn to uh, to whoever it is who can muster a large enough army to. Uh, to oppress, you know, to to shut it all down, to shut down the violence, and establish some kind of peace. And this is an old story. I mean, we we, we see it in ancient history and we see it in modern history. But there's uh, but uh, there's a difference between somebody who says, um, "Look, uh, we've re- reached the stage of hopelessness, and there's nothing we can do other than to erect a dictator." Right, so let, let 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 let's let's call that an authoritarian, and that could be, you know, under the right conditions, that could be al- almost anybody if th- if things have gotten bad enough. Um, conservatives are not authoritarians. Conservatives are make a different claim, which is that the things that are the the last three thousand years of biblical tradition um, have uh, uh, given us, or the last one thousand years of uh, of uh, Anglo-American constitutionalism, that that those things do have worthy things in them that many of us would like to have if we could get them. 
And so the difference between a conservative and an authoritarian today at this moment, I, I guess, would be that a conservative says to the authoritarian, look, um, I understand uh, why you think things are terrible. I agree with you that things are terrible. And I agree with you that if things keep going in this direction for a few more years, uh, then all is going to be lost. And then there's not going to be any choice anymore other than some kind of civil war uh, or, or a foreign invasion. But a conservative says to an authoritarian, are you sure that you um, want to take the next five, 10, 30 years of your life and sit on the sidelines and wait for things to get as bad as you think they're going to get, just carping at the people who are actually trying to do something to save things? Uh, how about if you um, lend me those next five or, or 15 years of your life and join us and let's try to save something out of this? Okay, so from the situation that we're in now to the worldview that you expose in, in, in the book, what would what would the pathway be? Would, would it be to essentially convince people on a democratic level, okay, this is a worthwhile cause, you know, um, activism, uh, just essentially kind of a, a, a populist revolution in the conservative direction? Or is there, uh, you could see how some people might think that there are shortcuts to this. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I I, I wonder how, because essentially that's, that's pretty much the 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 point of tension there, you know, how, how to get these good things that we yeah. all agree are good. Okay. So I, so I, 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 I try to deal with this at two different levels in the book. Uh, one of them is the political level where, uh, where I, I, I think that the, it, 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 it's pretty obvious there, there are many places in America and Europe where there's no point whatsoever in discussing conservative ideas. There's no chance of them uh, being um, uh, peacefully chosen through the democratic process, and my, my suggestion is that um, that people who want a more conservative life should not stay in those places; that they should pick up and move to some place where there's a a, a, a plausible likelihood of a uh, of of establishing either uh, a Christian majority. So I think we need. To, I, th I think you need to to look and ask yourself. All right, I live in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, there's not going to be a Christian or a pro-Christian or a pro-biblical majority uh, in in my lifetime. It's it is absurd to think so. And so you should pick up and move to uh, to Florida or to uh, Alabama or to some other other state or to some other country. You know, as you yourself uh, did, Alex where the likelihood of being able to uh, to uh, uh, maintain and establish a majority that is going to uh, favor traditionalism uh, as uh, as a political way of life and as a private way of life is still plausible. And the, the, the problem one of the problems that we have is that, you know, for example, in the United States, this 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 goes to the question of, you know, were conservatives outlawed? So in certain respects, you can say they were because the Supreme Court, when the Supreme Court in the United States decided in 1947 that it that separation of church and state would be imposed on all of the states, 
from above, from the center, you know, without any kind of popular vote, which certainly no popular vote would have would have uh, actually enacted this. And so, from that time, there has been a le- an actual legal obstacle uh, to to people saying, uh, "Look." We tried liberalism as a public philosophy. That doesn't work. It collapsed. We 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 now see the Marxism that's coming, and we don't want that. So what we'd like to do is we'd like to retrace our steps a few years, and we'd like to establish some some kind of um, uh, Christian public philosophy, which will be will be the framework for life in our state. I think that 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 is highly plausible in many places in America and Europe still at this time. And I think that's what people should fight for, because if you know, I, because we're all told that you know that 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 uh, uh, that if Florida were were uh, run according to a Christian moral vision and 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 kids were, were 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 taught Bible in school, we're all told that it would be like Iran of the Ayatollahs. And I don't know anyone who wants to live in Iran of the Ayatollahs, regardless of what their you know their their worldview is. And the question is, is that true? See, I find it extremely doubtful. I, I I know a great many Christians, and I find it extremely doubtful that uh, that the kind of um, the, the the kind of uh, Christian uh, regimes that would be established in uh, in various states in the United States would be anything like the Iran of the Ayatollahs. So, once you have a place like that, you know, once you have a number of different experiments, and some of them will be better and some of them will be worse. They'll all be different from one another. But once you can see them and compare to what's happening in California and in New York, I, I think a lot of people will uh, begin to feel more sympathetic than they are right now. Okay, so all, all of that is at the political level. I think there is a trajectory that allows um, some some kind of possibility of uh, uh, of saving things. But at the private level, I, I should say that this is, I mean, the, to me, at least as important is what people are doing with their private lives, you know, because I've just described something that, okay, you know, you could you could vote for it, you could, you know, campaign for it, you could do all sorts of things, but it's not, it's not a life, it's not a conservative life, it's a, you know, it's a program to try to have some kind of conservative uh, democracy instead of liberal democracy. But let's talk about people's lives. People's lives are not in a good place. Of course, there's some people who are in a good place, but if we're talking about, you know, the the uh, the the average young person who I know who's right of center, they're not they're not living the kind of life that I mean. I don't think they're living the kind of life that I would want for my children. But I think that they're unhappy with their lives. They they don't talk like people who yeah you know I just I think everything's everything's going great for me it's just too bad that you know the, that the country's going you know uh, the wrong direction but I'm fine okay but that that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a generation a very large part of the 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 the, the current generation which which consciously these are people who consciously blame their parents and their grandparents for the uh, for the wrong turn. That has been taken, and I'm agreeing that there was a wrong turn. And instead of um, uh, p- picking themselves up and 
plugging back into the chain of transmission so that they can learn what they didn't learn about how to lead a conservative life, how to lead a life of conservation and transmission so that things that are good and great and and, and beautiful and true can come into their lives and be passed on to future generations through them. Instead of doing that, they sit around reading all of this rightist revolutionary stuff, which fantasizes about how great, you know, how great it'll be if we have a, uh, you know, some kind of uh, uh, tech, techno-atheist dictator or Catholic emperor or, you know, there's, there's a, a hundred different fantasies, but it's all science fiction. None of, none of it changes the lives of the people who are reading this stuff. And I say the first step is change your life, plug back into the chain of transmission, get married, get start having kids, start building the uh, your fantasy kingdom with your own hands in your own life. And you'll feel better and then you'll pave the way for others to be able to do it too. Yes, I I mean, I have to agree. I mean, that's uh that's essentially what what we've been trying to do in in practical terms. Um it it, it is a bit hard because the the level of disconnection to, you know, the the chain of being was very intense. I mean, I don't even remember exactly which what what generation it was where we were connected because we had essentially communism and communism was this whole upheaval here it just deracinated everyone i mean my my family comes from hungary from uh poland from the czech republic from from germany like a enclave so everyone's kind of you know just i, I would have to i don't think there's actually even um written down versions of of anything in my family history um I, I everything that i would piece back together would have to be based on i don't know historical accounts written by people who've never met my family and just kind of reimagining again what okay, what it must have been like yeah f fair enough Ma many many people are 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 in, in in that condition but um if i could make a suggestion i think that um uh, in the, the last couple of chapters of, of, of my book are, are fo focused especially on this issue of, of leading a conservative life. But there, there's other sections about, about the traditional family and the, uh, the congregation. I think there's a lot of things people don't, don't necessarily understand about how these things work. The human beings, um, the, the, you know, the, the, obviously the, the first and most important uh, tradition that you inherit is from your parents. Um, and if you're in a traditional family, then then it's not just from your parents. It's from your uh, there. There are other parts of the family that are that are you know in close by. And if you don't get along with your parents, you can inherit all sorts of things from your grandparents. And if you don't get along with your grandparents, a lot of people uh, adopt the uh, the customs of the, their aunts and uncles. Which which by the way, if if you you read, I tell a little bit about about my story in the book. And um, b because of the fact that that uh, a great deal was missing in the home that I grew up in, um, I ended up spending a lot of time with my uh, with my aunt and uncle who uh, who were Orthodox Jews, and um, and and they're not just you know kind of an adoptive alternate family. They're uh, they're part of a congregation, which is to say. Um, there are all these neighbors, and the neighbors also each one is running their own their own slightly different version of the traditions. And um, real living traditions are not are not things that you uh, 
that you read in a book. They're not things you read in an entire library of books. The books can be helpful, but the, but real learning takes place only from human beings. And uh, and so the 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 young person who wants to heal himself or herself and uh, and 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 to to live a life that is uh, healthier and um, uh, and more fruitful, the the number one thing that they need to do is to find an appropriate congregation. It may be that you know the members of your family don't have much of a tradition. So you need to find uh, a uh, a congregation. It, these, these days, living traditions are mostly still existing, Orthodox uh, Christian or Jewish congregations. I mean, you know, maybe there are other corners, but that's in most places that that's the direct path is that you need to you, you need to find a an orthodox congregation where the traditions are still being handed down not simply as uh, uh as uh, as something that's spoken but people live according to them because there's a great deal about living as a conservative person that you you can't understand in the first years that you're looking at it you see what's happening but you don't understand you don't understand the causes that are actually operative. And so w- w- what, what you need is not to be reading. I mean, reading's helpful, but the thing you really need is to find those, um, those families, that congregation, those older people who still are capable of being a model so that you can start learning again. And th- this can happen at any age. You don't, you know, you don't have to be 12 in order to start learning, but if you're willing to give them honor and you're willing to respect their way of life and say, look, I'm ignorant, I'm coming here to learn. This is something you can do at at any age, but you need people, models, actual people who are living the life you want to live so that you can then start to build up your abilities in this area. Yes, I think uh, um, a lot of people who come to um, traditionalism or you know they're essentially coming like like myself from uh from a need they they feel okay there is there is a a void at the center of my existence you know we need to fill this 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 feels like the thing that we should be inserting and uh we obviously start reading and you kind of rationalistically push yourself into this direction especially if there there are no people i mean my my family is very small not not conservative at all so i've um i've, I've kind of I'm probably by far the most conservative person in in a ten mile radius, even even here in Romania where I live. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where, um, you know, it's these these things exist. But I think in 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 my case, uh, being Catholic um, in a very minoritarian region of Romania where everyone else is Orthodox Christian, I know that's that's something that people do con- convert to, uh, and it's actually something that it's. Uh, I won't say trending, but it's it's definitely something that more people are doing now, especially in the U.S. Um, it, it feels a, a bit strange to hear that people want to be uh, uh, Romanian Orthodox uh, in I don't know in in the U.S. or, or something like that, and it it makes it more interesting to me. To me, it's it's been I've been a bit distant to it because I'm very familiar with it. It all seems I don't know very ritualistic, and it just kind of has that feeling of, of backwardness to me but at the same time it's you know it's it's definitely something that i'm i'm looking into more reading more about i should probably just go to a church and, and, and talk to someone i i think doing it 
teaches things that reading about it doesn't teach. I'm not, again, I'm not saying, look, you know, my, my tradition, the Jewish tradition is extraordinarily book oriented. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, uh, constant public readings of uh, uh, of the Torah and and people are constantly studying and it's it's very very bookish tradition. Um, so I, I I don't in any way mean to downplay it, but ultimately the 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 kind of knowledge that you gain that allows you to understand what these books are talking about comes from experience. It comes from doing. It comes from all of these. Uh, uh, Handing down traditions and receiving them is a skill. It's not. It, it's not an item of knowledge. It's a. It. It, it is a skill, like riding a bicycle, um, and um, ju- just like you know, you you can't read a cookbook and 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 know how to make a cake. You you need to have experience making the cake over and over and over again, trying and trying. Sometimes you succeed, and sometimes you fail. Eventually, you figure out how to make it, do it right, and the same thing is true for every aspect of the tradition raising children is is trial is trial and error you can't get it out of a book every child is different every adult is different the, the situation is different you 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 need trial and error and the same same thing is true anything having to do with you know participating in public prayer or 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 any anything having to do with god these are uh, th- these these are things that your view of them changes with the experience. And now I'm not saying that every person will fit into, you know, the first church that that they decide to go to. They, they might not. But if you um if you can have this much faith, okay, I'm gonna talk about a very, very small amount of faith, I think. If you can muster enough faith to say, look, all those people, all, you know, those those last 2,000 years of Christianity or 3,000 years of Judaism, they couldn't all have been just, you know, stupid people like the liberals say they are. Like, I don't believe the liberals in almost anything they say. Why should I believe believe them when they tell me that all my ancestors were ignorant fools? If you can have enough faith in your own uh, uh, great-great-grandparents and and, and their great-great-grandparents to say, I'm going to trust you far enough. Let me try this. Let me try living the way that they lived. And and see what happens. I think that most people who uh, who I've seen in my life who've gotten that far and they've said, "I'm going to try this. I want to see what happens to me." I think the great majority very quickly become um, surprised by what they learn about uh, about what about what keeping the Sabbath does for you, about what being part of a congregation does for you. It, it it changes your lives in all sorts of ways that you just can't imagine. Yes, I, th- I think people shouldn't underestimate how uh, how powerful even kind of this via negativa approach to uh, to religion and, and tradition is. Uh, just being kind of scared straight by by liberalism, I think there are quite there are quite a, a few people who who just see you know <laughs> this. They just say this can't be right. <laughs> this literally can't be right. Let's see what the other other traditions have to offer. Um, so I, I also wanted to to ask you um, about the role of technology in all of this, because like you said, you know, in maybe 30, 40 years ago, uh, we had democracy, we had mass media, 
it wasn't like this. Um, the the quality and quantity of of media, the speed at which it's delivered, uh, the directness at which one can access all of this stuff, uh, has accelerated, you know, exponentially at this point. Um, I mean, and and also the kind of the the, the disintermediation between um, between the individual and the market, and all sorts of new um, sources of dopamine, sources of comfort that happen between just the individual and whatever provider of either sustenance or internet or and pornography, all sorts of things that come to you directly. You don't really need even to, there's no middleman here. It's just you and whoever provider wants to, wants to send you these, these things. Um, I think that's, that's probably tied to disembodiment as well. Like um, you mentioned before, you know, you have to do things and you have to live them and you have to actually participate in doing things in, in real life. Um, and it's, it's also, um, I mean, this this would probably turn into a drinking game. The, the many times I say the revealed preference here on the on the show, uh, but it is a revealed preference. I mean, for example, you you have this this wonderful article about um, the nuclear family and the fact that it's it's an insufficient standard. Um, but for a lot of people, it is a revealed preference. Living alone, it's it's a luxury. Uh, it's something that a lot of people can afford nowadays, and it's a revealed preference. I think we could move in with our parents, but I think most people would just say no. Uh, and the parents would say no as well. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if you if you need to move in with your parents. I, I, I mean, Yael and I, um, as you know from 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 the book, we we have nine children, and and uh, um, the, they're all very they're all very very different from one another, uh, and um, so, so, some of them are you know are by nature they're kind of loyalists, and they 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 want to be. Um, as close to their parents as possible, and to be as much like their parents as possible, and uh, others are kind of rebels by nature, and they're you know from a very 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 young age they're 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 looking for their space and the way that they can you know they can find their place in the world um, w- without following you know the, the the you know the 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 track that their that their parents went, but you know and at different stages. Um, different parts of their lives, different kids have um, moved back in, in into the house. I, I mean, look, we, we we have a pretty big house, and it's um, part of this discussion is uh, is if you if you want to live in a more conservative way, then you need to that I mean that 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 means you're going to have more if you're going to have more children, then you need more space. If you if you're going to have your grandparents living anywhere near you, you need space. So. The, the I'm not advocating everybody living in the same house. I don't think that that's uh, necessary. I think some people want to live close and some people want to live further away. But further away can be the other side of town. It doesn't have to be, you know, like like uh, uh, you you move two thousand. You you turn eighteen. You go to college. You 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 move two thousand miles away from your family and you never come back. I mean that that's like a like a like a, a a ridiculous extreme uh where i think i think that everybody each person will have their own most comfortable distance from you know f- from their family members and i want to emphasize again that sometimes it's not parents sometimes it's your aunt and uncle um but the the point that that i think is crucial here is that healthy human beings do not live alone 
and I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time alone. I mean, I'm a, a, a writer. I spend a tremendous amount of time, you know, in, in a room alone, re- reading books and writing things. And nevertheless, the, the, um, uh, a healthy human being is somebody who is um, not just socializing with others. Okay, that's, that's true, but I don't think that's enough. I think healthy human beings have to always have people that they look up to, living people who are, are uh, teachers for them. And I think it's a mistake to think that that ends when you're 18 years old. I think that all healthy people throughout their lives continue to learn from people who are older than they are. And, uh, but in order for you to know whether that's true or not, you would actually have to be near some people who are older than, than you are, who you could be talking to about things. And since most people never even saw their parents do it. So at this point, it's a, I think more than a revealed preference, it's, it, it is a kind of a tradition. There is a, uh, an, uh, an evil crummy tradition of cutting yourself off from anything, from any inheritance at an early age, and then trying to do it by yourself. And, and by the way, it's not just kids leaving their parents. It's also um, kids feeling they have no obligation to their parents. At a certain point, your parents start getting older. And when they start, I mean, getting really older. And then the, the tables kind of turn and you need to start taking care of them. So liberal societies come up with this incredibly barbaric institution of the old age home or the settle, you know, the old, the retirement community where you send away your parents so that you don't, so somebody else takes care of them theoretically so that you don't have the burden of doing it. And th- th- this is this is like the flip side of leaving your parents and cutting off, cutting yourself off from the tradition is that towards the ends of their lives, you know, m- most, most people, it doesn't even occur to them that, that a traditional degree of gratitude that you would owe your parents would, would mean uh, that you would owe them to take care of them yourself so that they can see, I mean, you know, when, when they're approaching the end of their lives, what do they want to see? They, they want to see uh, you living uh, a life that they can be proud of. They want to see grandchildren that, that, so living a life that they can be proud of. They, they, the older they get, the more they live through you. And so you're, sending them away to, away to an old age home to play, you know, whatever it is, mahjong or, you know, checkers or whatever it is with other old people. But what you've really done is you've said uh, that, that, that the people who gave me life and the people who taught me everything for years and sacrificed everything that they had to in order to make my life all right. And that's, even if you don't like your parents, that's true for most, most parents of children. And those people did not do enough so that you would live close enough to them to give them um, this, you know, this feeling that they that they didn't fail, that they succeeded, that something is flourishing and and coming out of what they did. I, I, it, it, it's just this hor- horrendous devil's bargain where you know you choose to live alone now because you feel like it, but are you going to feel like it when you're seventy? And the answer is no. You're not going to feel like it. You're, you're going to be wretched and yeah. whoa. I mean, what you can't, you can't see that coming. Exactly. I, th- I feel like there's this um, kind of age blindness that, uh, that kind of, I mean, 
I'll, I'll call it liberalism, but whatever, whatever we're living under this, uh, this uh, hypnosis, um, it seems that on, on the one hand, they also want us segregated by age. Like there's very little mingling between the ages, even in, right. in school rooms. Okay. You know, you have your eight year olds, nine year olds, you know, they, they barely touch, they barely uh, socialize. And then um, I think there's also kind of a ranking by degree of autonomy because everyone thinks that they're going to be 25 years old continuously under liberalism like even the even the mirage that you know um the 20 something woman young woman living in the city you know getting a career uh, it, it rarely occurs to them that they'll be turning 30 or it's like a, just a, a a thought in the in the back of, of their mind that okay you know something might change but don't don't worry everyone's patting them on the back don't don't worry it's it's still the same you still can pursue your career you know maybe maybe McKinsey will freeze your eggs or who knows some someone will come in and swoop and, and save you from from death and decay uh, and then the idea that these women might even be considering what they're going to have what's going to happen at seventy or eighty or is is beyond the pale no no one really actually thinks about these things so it's um. It's it's a strange blindness, you know. This is a strange. Well, we're almost frozen in amber in our in our mid twenties because that's the point of of highest autonomy, and it's also kind of the point of highest permanent revolution, where we're on the we're on the cusp of something, but you'll not always be on the cusp of something. Yeah, I I um, I I think I think you make a really important point there when you when when you talk about the um, um sorting people by age so that that most most of the waking hours and most of the social scene is with people who are your own age. And that happens, you know, to little children as soon as they go to, you know, to kindergarten. And, and it's still happening to old people who are being so, sorted by, okay, now you go to retirement home. And just think for, for a moment about um, what human communities were like, you know, a hundred years ago, or, you know, certainly 200 years ago, but pro- probably still most places a hundred years ago. It, 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 before, before everybody started going to public school, okay, let's, let's just, just imagine this. You live in a community where, um, the, the number one center of activity is your parents' business, which, because the home is also a business and people of different ages are participating in this business, you know, chances, I mean, it depends what it was, but chances are your, your mother and your father work together in order to, 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 to run the business, whatever it was, the, the, the farm or the workshop or, 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 or whatever it was. And, and the, the children spend a lot of time with adults and they spend a lot of time, you know, there, there may have been uh, young hired hands who are a different age. So they spend a lot of time with, with children who are older and they get to see people getting married and, and, and children being born and raised from, you know, from, a, from, from a tiny age and they and and they also get to see uh, aging because you don't send your parents away, to, you know, to some someplace two hundred miles away to to die. They get to see aging. They get to see the the respect that's paid to aging parents. They get to learn what death is not, you know, not just that your gerbil or your goldfish died, but they get to see what human death is like. And those people who grow up like that, they just have a much clearer view of what a human being is. At every stage of its life, it's not vague. It's you know, it's concrete. Like you see it happening right in front of your eyes. I, I mean, you're you're describing a, 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 a. I I I definitely do think it's related to liberalism because it it all in the end comes down to this this crazy assertion that 
we're by nature perfectly free and perfectly equal. When in fact, by nature, we're not perfectly free and we're not perfectly equal. Like both of these things are just not true. And I I just think these are all crazy deductions from that. Yeah, um, it it feels to me like uh, like that's uh, that's the uh, the the main illusion for a lot of young people that you know this is going to last forever. But sometimes, yeah, it's uh, it, it becomes clear that yeah, it's it's yeah, it's maybe maybe twenty years. That's that's about as much uh, autonomy, uh, or that's about as much. Um, as the illusion of the of the liberal individual might last for some, for most it doesn't last even that much. Um, I want to ask you the question of the show because I know we're coming up on time a little bit. Um, do you have a thinker um, who was influential in your work, maybe that you think is um, underrated, could be a subversive thinker in the, in the spirit of the show um, that you think people should look into, read more of, or um, yeah, just uh, just be more interested in? Okay, well, uh, how about the prophet Jeremiah? Um, I, 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 I think in general, Old Testament, uh, uh, Old Testament heroes uh, are pretty subversive. I, I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, there's kind of the people who, people who don't know a lot about the Bible assume that it's all a bunch of people obeying commands, and it, it's actually, I mean. Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is 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 almost the opposite. All of the great figures um, that that you can come up with from the beginning to the end are uh, th- their actions are marked by standing out from the crowd and uh, and being disobedient or, or subversive in various ways. Um, so just 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 to give you um, some a, a, qu- a quick glimpse into this. Uh, the, the the so the, in the book of Exodus the Jews are the, the, they're enslaved in Egypt, and um, and they, and they're there for for centuries and they're being killed and they're being brutalized and all these terrible things are happening they're crying to God, but but nothing happens nothing happens until these uh, uh, Pharaoh the the Egyptian king um, decides he wants to kill the children to 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 kill all the male children so he tells the midwives. Who are are working for him? He says, just whenever, whenever, whenever the Hebrew children are, if a male is born, kill them at birth, and and they refuse. They refuse the or, or I mean, they tell him they're going to do it, but they refuse to do it. They disobey, and because the the midwives disobey, um, one of the one of the male, male children who escapes being killed is Moses. And uh, his mother hides him for three months. She also disobeys. And his sister Miriam uh, takes care of him. She also disobeys. And then when he gets to be too old and they can't hide him anymore, they put him on the Nile and set him adrift. And he uh, and this little three-month-old baby uh, in a basket ends up uh, in, the, um, uh, in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter, who's bathing in, in the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter disobeys too. Pharaoh's daughter disobeys the order of her own father to rescue this uh, this uh, Hebrew child, and he's raised in the palace. And the rabbinic tradition says, if it if it weren't for the now we, we've counted uh, two midwives, uh, Moses' mother, his sister, and and now 
Pharaoh's daughter. It's a conspiracy of five women who are responsible, each one through subversion and disobedience, for creating the savior that in the end is going to lead the Jews out of Egypt. And the, the, the rabbis say this explicitly in, in, uh, in the rabbinic tradition. They say, if it weren't for the disobedience of the women of Egypt, we would all still be in Egypt. Okay, so I, I think I should probably just say, read the Bible more. Um, but I was going to say just something about the prophet Jeremiah, that, that he, he is an, un, un, an astonishingly eloquent, independent thinker who throws himself you know, at great danger against the um, the the uh, the elites, the political elites, the religious elites, the 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 uh, the the whole ruling structure of the Jews in Jerusalem, and and argues that they are headed for destruction. You know, it should remind you of what we're seeing now. He says you're headed for destruction, and he suffers immensely for saying it, but he keeps saying it. And um, and and uh, wow, what what a story it is! At, at at the end, he sees he sees something none of us have ever seen. He gets he sees the actual destruction of 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 the of his kingdom, of his country, and the exile of his people. Read that story; it's it it will tell you a lot about uh, who and what you can be uh, if you're not afraid, and and if uh, if you're 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 willing to. Uh, to target your 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 subversion and your activism towards things that are, are are great and good instead of just you know cynical dissent which leads nowhere. Yes, and surprisingly, I think this is the the first time the Bible was recommended on this podcast. Even though I've had quite a, a few religious people and a few traditionalists on, um, yeah, the people try to dig deep, but I think this is a you know a classic for a reason. Um, thank you so much, Yaram. This was uh, lovely speaking to you. Um, I want to uh, point people towards the book again, uh, Conservatism: um, A Rediscovery. It is, uh, and it's available widely now, isn't it? You can get it everywhere. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> for, for the time being, until they pull it. Oh yes. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, times have changed. I hear, I hear lots about uh, the vibe shift. So hopefully, this is a part of it, and uh, and people leave you alone. Um, thank you again. This was lovely to speak with you. Like likewise. God bless you and your family. Thank you. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it. And maybe want early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general, head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you.